Hi, it's your host, Sabrine Shaw, and this is the Show Me Your Way podcast, where people from all walks of life show us their way through their own journeys, whether it be in entrepreneurship, philanthropy, artistry, and more. Welcome to episode nine of the Show Me Your Way podcast. Today's guest is Katie Diasti, the CEO and founder of Viv for Your V, an earth-friendly period care brand. Katie studied marketing and managing social impact at Boston College over in the US and started Viv in her senior year to pursue her dream of building a mission-driven social impact brand. And I believe that she's done just that. Katie is also a huge advocate for living a more sustainable lifestyle, and she'll be sharing her tips and tricks on how to do just that. So let's get started with today's episode, and I hope you guys enjoy. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Show Me Your Way. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to record this. I'm really happy to have you on the podcast today, and I'm so excited to talk about your company, Viv for Your V. So first question is, what propelled you to start your company, Viv? And tell us a bit about what it's all about and the products that you're selling. Yeah, I started Viv when I was in my final year at university. And I always say it was kind of a class project I never stopped working on. And I was personally going through my own sustainability journey, but I was also studying brands that make an impact and what that meant and being a voice for others, especially when we needed more sense of guidance and leadership um, in the world that we weren't really seeing from like formal government structures. Um, and so I thought that was the most fascinating thing and was always wanted to create my own. And when I was um, early on in my senior year, I was like going through my own sustainability journey and just trying to reduce plastic waste in my day-to-day life. And I was trying to take note of everything that was like a single use plastic and I think something that I had ignored and a lot, a lot of people with periods have ignored for so long is plastic waste and menstrual care products. Um, Mm -hmm. And there didn't seem to be much like transparency or education in the space at all, like what is in these products, how they're made. And so when I I took the approach of taking it more research-based, so I really dove into like the actual materials of everything. And that was something I studied for a long time. And what I found was that like one menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags. And when I learned that statistic in particular, I was like, okay, like we can make this better. It does not need to be like this. And we can still have Mm -hmm. products that we're really comfortable with and we love that are also just better for the earth and um, help us make better conscious decisions as consumers. Um, So that was where it initially started. And now Viv is what we call an earth friendly period care brand. And we're direct to consumer, so we deliver through a subscription model or one-time purchases right through our website. So the whole idea is to create a lot more ease and convenience for women and people with periods to just be able to go on and click and not have to worry about running to the store in a pinch. And it creates a lot of like stress on us to have to always remember that in the worst inconvenient times. And so that's a really big part of the business we're creating as well. I love that. And it sounds so convenient. Like you said, it's such a big part of our, you know, thought process is like, oh, I have to go out and buy that or but you completely remove that process with um, the subscription model. So I think that's really, really good. 
And I wanted to ask, because you, you mentioned that it was just so much plastic being used and nobody was being very transparent about mm-hmm. everything that's in them. Because I know that like tampons, for example, some of the more mainstream ones have like bleach in them and other mm-hmm. God knows what chemicals in them. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, what exactly are your products made of? Yeah, um, I love this question because I, I just take so much pride in, in the products we currently offer. And so we offer menstrual cups, which is like a zero waste option. But among mm-hmm. our disposable options, we do um, a bamboo fiber based pad and liner and our products are biodegradable. Um, so instead of a plasticky black back sheet, which is usually what creates a lot of the plastic waste in period care products, we use like an alternative to plastic that's all plant-based and use, we use that cornstarch. Um, so that's kind of how we can create a plastic-free product. Um, and we mainly use those um, organic bamboo fibers and some corn fiber to help with softness. And it's really, really interesting to see because that's been helping a lot with like keeping it really absorbent as well. Our products actually absorb mm-hmm. much, much more than traditional organic cotton or cotton products um, because bamboo fiber is so, so absorbent and no one's really like using it and taking advantage of how like soft and absorbent and naturally hypoallergenic bamboo fiber really is, but it's also just so much better for the planet, which was really fascinating when I was like diving more into new fibers to research and bamboo grows best without fertilizer it uses about one fourth the amount of water compared to cotton products, and it uses much, much less land because it grows vertically. So overall, cotton can be kind of a harsh crop on the planet, but bamboo grows like crazy and is so easily grown, and the planet really like thrives off of it. So it's less of like an invasive crop in general. Yeah, I, I think that's incredible, and I completely agree with you that um, bamboo products are definitely so like underrated like nobody's talking about them as much as they should be but uh, like you said you know they're so much more absorbent and they're naturally hypoallergenic like I looked into even bamboo bed sheets and things of that nature it's just like so much more sustainable and they're so much softer and just better better for you so I can imagine that using that in your pads and liners is absolutely amazing and very, very comfortable. So, you know, what product would you say is your best seller? Yeah, this is really interesting because for so long it was our liners and like mainly because that those are the products we've been offering. We've fairly mm-hmm. um, small product line because we're really trying to create like the perfect line of products before introducing it to um, our customers. Um, but it was our liners. And then recently, menstrual cups have been very, very popular. So it's the between the liners and the menstrual cups, which has been very cool um, to see like more yeah. of a switch, more people being willing to try out the menstrual cups. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And actually, I wanted to talk about uh, menstrual cups briefly, because I know that a lot of peeps tend to be a bit like, nervous about menstrual cups. You know, I think it's because a lot of people think like, oh, it's going to hurt or I'm not going to put it in right or you know what I mean? I was wondering, like, does does your product come with like a sort of like a how to um, like an instruction kind of thing? Because I know that a lot of 
people I talk to are always a bit nervous because they're like, oh, I just don't know how I'm going to fit it in or is it going to hurt me or you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So we created, um, we have like a blog page within our website and we created some content around exactly how to use it, what you're probably going to experience, like this, like what looks normal. So no worries. Like this happens everyone. (laughs) And trying to make it like a, hey, we're all new at this. We're all learning um, type experience. But what we've seen is that once people try a menstrual cup, they love it. They like are the biggest fans um, ever. Someone recently described it to me as like being vegan. They're like, when you, when you know someone's vegan, like they love it, right? And like they're like, yeah, they yeah. Um, and we were seeing a similar trend with menstrual cups, but also just because they work really well and they're very convenient. And once you just get down that initial like fear of what it's like to insert and remove it, then it's like, wait, I only have to change this once a day. Like this can be inside me for 12 hours and it absorbs more than like four tampons does. And or can hold that much and it's just so convenient and people are always like oh like what if you need to change it in public oftentimes if you are planning it around like say a work day um most mm-hmm. people would insert in the morning um before work and then remove it at night when they return home so they're kind of avoiding that entire process um so yeah and that's so yeah. convenient that is so convenient and yeah. just so much better for the planet as well so it's just like mm-hmm. you know it's such a such a good solution honestly so you know you mentioned that you were going through your own sustainability journey uh whilst you're at university so what did what did that look like and how what sparked your initial passion for sustainability and a more sustainable lifestyle yeah that's been interesting because I growing up my family was not very good about single-use mm-hmm. plastic and they were big like water same, bottles. Same. <laughs> yeah, it was just not it was not amazing um so I had to do a lot of that like education on sustainability myself um and understand like okay how much does that make an impact and it's more of understanding that like our choices as customers are the biggest part of that and I am really loving this concept of voting with your dollars. And if we Mm -hmm. as customers and consumers change our mindsets around what we purchase, the rest of the world and businesses and massive corporations have to adjust because what they need is their customers to buy their products. And so if we are not buying water bottles anymore and are all very much advocates for using reusable, the market has to adjust to that. And Mm-hmm. same thing here it's like if we move away from using very plastic toxic products that don't have transparency the market has to adjust so I was really interested more in like choosing ethical brands choosing brands that were making an impact because I thought that every day you have the opportunity when you're purchasing something to make a choice of who you're giving your money to um so that's actually how it kind of sparked in general um but I o- overall I was of course, just seeing the impact of our planet, what that does to so many people. And while like, say, me on a college campus or in university was not going to be directly impacted as hard, the people that are impacted by in climate change and all these environmental issues, often those who are minorities here in the US are incredibly displaced already. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's understanding our privileges to know that like me, me ignoring sustainability is not okay because of the, what it's causing to other people in the world. 
Yeah, completely, completely. I agree. So, like, if you could ban one practice that is totally not sustainable, <laughs> what would it be and why? Oh, my goodness. That is a hard one. There's so many. I know. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that's been super interesting. I mean, I seen how much like of course I'm really passionate about like the plastic usage and single usage because you can see how long it lasts on earth mm-hmm. um so honestly I'm gonna say plastic and period care products which is a very biased mm-hmm. answer but I've just seen how easy it is to get a product that works exactly the same way or better and doesn't have plastic in it and if we can just yeah. completely change our mindset about materials and just not doing things because they're cheap and easy but have lasting effects on our earth then I think we would have much better mindset um I also find like and this is something I like personally battle with but like understanding Mm -hmm. how much red meat consumption can make an impact on the climate is really interesting um so like unsustainable sourcings of those things are incredibly um, crucial for like how we understand co2 emissions as well yeah yeah no i like that those are two really good ones um for sure and you know like you said about and it's not biased at all that you're picking um you know the plastic and the period care products because <laughs> it's just so under researched and you know i was reading in an article that tampons and pads are like 90 percent plastic and and then they're the fifth most common item found on Europe's beaches. Now, I'm not sure what the statistic is over in the US, but I imagine it's very similar, maybe worse. And, you know, they're, they're, yet, they're just one of the least obvious and spoken about sources of single-use plastic. So I really applaud what you're doing because it needs so much more awareness. And that is just an insane statistic to, like, wrap your brain around. And I wanted to know... What was the most shocking thing that you learned when you were doing all of your research about this period care space? I think, well, of course, seeing how long one menstrual pad takes to break down was incredibly wild to me. Um, Mm -hmm. It takes about, well, an average um, person with a period uses about 11,000 pads in their lifetime. And one menstrual pad can take up to 800 years to break down. And so seeing just just how much one person is impacting the earth and and that's kind of the idea here is like at one as one person we can still make a change and if one person everywhere has this mindset then we can make much more of an impact um but there's also a lot of toxins in traditional peer care products and that was Mm -hmm. something that was frustrating to me as well is that there was no transparency and like we had no idea for so long because if we're going to choose a product that is unsustainable, that's not good for us, we should at least know. <laughs> is yeah, definitely. Thing about it, and um, a lot of the same chemicals that are in like Biofreeze and Roundup Weed Killer, these like very harsh chemicals, um, are also found in most pads and tampons today. Those traditional like non-organic products, and that's very shocking to me that there was no way of knowing. Um, and I just don't think that's right as consumers to like have lack of transparency, especially with ingredients. 
Yeah, 100%. I am going to agree with that. And, you know, I know we're talking about the period care space, but it's like so much deeper than that. You know, you start researching on period care space and like what they're putting in the products. And then you end up on like beauty and other things and like skincare and makeup. And then you just realize like, what the hell am I putting either inside me or on me? And, you know, it's so terrifying because obviously uh, I know in Europe at least the laws are a little bit stricter in terms of like what you can put in products than in the US right. but still <laughs> like it's terrifying you know like we should uh, we, we have a right as consumers to know what is in all of these products so mm-hmm. I just I'm glad that there are people like you and you know others that are championing putting more organic and real good ingredients and th- and better things for us in their products because it's so so needed so needed exactly exactly and I hope this trend continues of more ingredient transparency and and like you said like while we are like a period care brand we also are kind of in between spaces like we're kind of a health and wellness brand and we're kind of a beauty brand and we're kind of like a health service it's just such a variety of things in one um and i think that's great because i think it holds us more accountable to really take a holistic approach and like the products we deliver to our customers and it's like yes this is we're giving someone this product in the time of the month they hate like no one is like yay my period like woohoo yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how can we make this overall experience just so much better for them and that's yeah really nice to to think of it that way yeah definitely definitely I I think it's such a great thing and more people need to talk about it more people need to feel more comfortable and not I mean I don't know about enjoy but like definitely make this experience (laughs) better you know make it so that it's not something you absolutely dread every time it comes around you know what I mean because it's just like it's 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 life, you know, we have these things every month, but mm-hmm. it should be that we have the choice to get these amazing products that will help us instead of actually be a detriment to our health. So, hey, yeah, I think it's really great. So what do you think are ways to encourage others to be more sustainable in their daily lives? Like, do you have any great tips or perhaps like the first steps that you took towards being more sustainable? Yes. Yeah. And it's hard. It's like, I'm not going to pretend like it's easy and I'm definitely not perfect at it at all. I have so much to improve on. And uh, I think having a mentality going in that like, hey, like I'm going to try my best, but I'm not perfect and that's okay. As long as I'm actively making an effort every day to um, cut out things in my life slowly. Um, there's this like this month is July and there's this thing called plastic free July. That's like kind of this trend where you don't use any single use plastic at all um, for the entire month of July. And that's really hard. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie and be like, Oh yeah. Piece of cake for me. Like, no, but it's something that I love to like take on a day and start maybe like pick one or two days a week where you're actively knowing you're not going to use any single use plastic. Or if it's such a big, part of your life than picking like removing one thing from your day for a week and then next week another thing it doesn't have to be this cold turkey I'm gonna run and 
get reusable everything and never look at plastic again. I think we're all on our own journey and it all takes time at different paces and that's okay. I think sometimes um, as people who are really conscious in the environment, we put too much pressure and stress on ourselves and extreme, extreme guilt when we mess up. And that's not very productive, I think. And I think it's like, okay, I know exactly what this does to the planet. And I know this is a choice I'm making, but I'm going to do better tomorrow is more of how I've been trying to look at it nowadays. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's so important because that's such a healthy way to approach this. And like you said, we can put so much pressure on ourselves and then, you know, some can put a lot of pressure on others. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I think you're right. It's not always very productive to have this almost unattainable standard Mm -hmm. um, for others. You know, I think my philosophy on on a lot of things is if you want somebody to actually understand and want to learn more and be more sustainable or be more of an activist or use their voice it's for me and I've said this in previous episodes it's it's educate don't hate you know just continue on a journey of educating those around you and you know focus on yourself like do what you can on your side and then educate others and then the rest is you know up to that individual to decide how they're going to approach it but there's no there's no need for a lot of the bashing that we tend to see online and things like that in my opinion I think you're right you know um it's not as productive so I think your tips are really good and I'm really happy to hear that someone in the sustainability space holds such a (laughs) such a great way of looking at it as well yeah yeah I know. I think we need to hear more of that. And I love that phrase, educate, don't hate. I think we definitely need to just overall as a society implement that more. And there's people that think certain things that could be very different or we truly believe is wrong and can be fundamentally wrong. But instead of getting frustrated and mad and like canceling them and being like this concept of the cancel culture, I really like the concept of just rather educating them and seeing if they can come up with the, their own opinions and change their opinions after they find this new information. Um, and that's so much of like the brand we're trying to build is something that's really approachable and isn't judgmental. It's There's other brands out there in this space that are doing um, organic cotton products and such, and their branding is really nice, but it's very like elite it's very like sleek and um it's for that customer that is willing to like pay a ton extra for period care products and um a way to kind of combat that is actually within our pricing model so it's built into our business that we want to create products that are better for the earth but also something they can we can actually afford and most people don't have to now choose between a sustainable product and what they can afford in their budget. Um, and that's been a big issue. It's we see so many of these like green, sustainable, eco-friendly products, but they're a multiple, like so much more expensive than the traditional products. And so we're basically by doing that saying, okay, only a certain type of person can buy this. And I don't think that's right. And if the mission of the brand is to create a more sustainable world. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Definitely. I mean, yeah, some of these prices on these things, yeah. <laughs> like you just, you have to be one specific type of person with one type of financial background to be able to achieve buying these things, you know? 
and that's just unfair like you said yeah, like that's just not right and if yeah like if you have a mission of of spreading sustainability you know out into the world you kind of have to find a appropriate price point to match that mission and i think that's that's really important that um viv is doing that because that's going to help a lot of yeah, people yeah. then be able to make the decision like yes okay i i can be sustainable because i can afford it you know so that's exactly. honestly i'm just i'm really loving all of the the mission Yay. statements and everything <laughs> um that viv is offering and i also wanted to talk about the fact that viv has donated over 4000 pads to shelters during the current coronavirus crisis and i just think this is so incredible and i really really believe that businesses should give back more and i just think this is such an amazing initiative especially considering how small the business is right now so why did you yeah. think it was so important to do this yeah exactly and yeah it's it was interesting being such a small small company and then it was really cool because everyone's like shop small like buy from local companies and we were feeling this like overwhelming sense of support which was so mm -hmm. beautiful to see and um that of course helped and made an impact to where we are um but at the same time we are always thinking about our customer and our potential customers and where they are and what they're facing and um when COVID hit and things were closing and shutdowns, we were, had to rethink a lot. And we're like, okay, well, where is our customer now? Where are they spending time now that they weren't before? And really wanted to grasp and understand that. But at the same time, we're not just serving our customers. We want to serve all people with periods, all menstruators. And we realized that a lot of menstruators were being displaced at this time and at a greater rate than ever before. And those a lot of times um, shelters aren't don't get donations for period care products, but they get a lot of like clothes and canned food and things like that. Um, but just due to stigmas and just lack of knowledge on what um, different shelters need, they were running out of period care products like crazy. And we um, were reaching out because we're fairly active with nonprofits uh, locally in Boston here, uh, but also just across the U.S. and different um, chapters that help with getting product out. And they were like, hey, sending messages out, mainly to like larger groups, but saying, hey, like we need period donations. And we we're like, yes, like our mission here is to help menstruators and we're going to help them despite if they can pay for our products or not. Um, and it was very cool because while we were trying to like figure out ways to give our products for free, we actually received a donation that was like, we know you all are experts in where to give these products and we don't know what to do, but we have mm -hmm. finances. And so we got a donation. It was particularly for this product to, to be donated. And we knew based on our research and based on actually talking to people that pads were the most needed product and not say menstrual mm -hmm. pads, which you need access to clean bathrooms and boiling water and all of these things yeah. were much less accessible. So we knew we needed to donate pads and we knew exactly what organizations needed our help the most. And so it kind of was like our responsibility, it felt like. It was just being a member of society and being a member of the world during the hardest time you, and contributing what we could. And while, of course, we wish we could have done quadruple that, being able to do something right now felt so crucial to the brand we're trying to build. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, especially because, you know, there's so many of these like huge organizations that just aren't doing 
enough or anything for that matter. So the fact that you're sort of making it the company's mission to sort of integrate, you know, giving back. And like you said, you're very active. So with nonprofits and everything. So I really love that because that was about to be my next question, you know, (laughs) is like, how do you integrate activism within your business practice? But you've you know, you've clearly just stipulated that. And I love that because it's so important. It's so important, you know, can't have a company now, I really believe, without it standing for something, you know, exactly. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And that's been so cool to see. And, and everyone in in this, I what I call like period space is very, Mm -hmm. very supportive and like loves to come together. And it's like, no one's a competitor here. We're all trying to make the world better. We're all trying to make the experience for women and people of periods better. So by coming together, it's like create, it's not about competition. It's about like overall creating a better world, which has been really like nice to see how much support there is, um, especially for us being a small company. But there's also, um, it's just so easy to get involved that I'm surprised more people don't. And Back in October, there was this period rally of like National Period Day, and it was really Mm -hmm. important that my team like show up and are active. And we made our signs, and we were there, like Mm -hmm. getting trying to get more access to free products in schools and eliminate this thing called the pink tax and the tampon tax. Oh yes, the pink tax. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that that exists is completely absurd. Um, yeah completely and absolutely oh, absurd <laughs> and so we have to do something about it and, and being in the space and ignoring these like massive issues is not okay so it's been such a fun part it's honestly like one of my favorite parts of my day-to-day is like seeing how much we can impact like also policy while we're like oh we're building a brand and we have a consumer product and we can easily be placed in this box of like CPG consumer goods for women, like femtech, whatever. But at the same yeah. time, like, no, we're trying to like change the world, as cheesy as that is. <laughs> yeah, no, and it should never even be seen as cheesy because if you're doing something and you're looking for a positive outcome for the world that you know is going to help so many people and the planet, then I don't care if it's cheesy. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like I said before, it's so needed. It's so vital in today's world people need to care more you know people really need to care more so yeah and yeah like you said about pink tax I mean I mean I think I have this conversation every other week with people and it's just I just can't comprehend why you know this thing exists you know and I think we're making moves you know they're slow but they're sure you know I'm pretty sure in Scotland now they've ended pink tax so hopefully, yeah. you know, that will that will definitely influence the rest of the world. Yeah, we definitely seem to be making strides in other parts of the world. And even here in the U.S., many states are individually getting rid of it. And it's a slow process, but it's happening. And that's very cool to see that there's policy changes based on actually creating rallies and creating petitions and, and being involved with that side of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I wanted to also talk about 
the very business side of things. So did you know, did you always have an inkling that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or do you think it was something that just ended up happening? Oh my gosh, I had no idea that I wanted to be an <laughs> entrepreneur. I, um, growing up, always thought I was going to be in medicine. Um, that's mm-hmm. like so many people in my family were in medicine. And um, up until I was, when I was applying to different universities, when I was in high school, I um, was just applying to such a variety of things. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I was sure what I didn't want to do. And at that point, I realized it wasn't medicine. <laughs> And so um, I applied to this business program at Boston College, um, it's a university here, and and I was um, applied to the business school. I was like, maybe I'll do marketing. I find that pretty interesting. I love like looking at brands and ads and seeing how they're approaching it. Sure, like maybe that'll be a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And was liking some of my classes and hating others, um, but overall loved all of my branding and marketing courses the most. Um, and then I took this class called Entrepreneurial Marketing where Viv was actually born out of. Um, and I didn't really know what it was. I was like, I just need a marketing elective. It's my senior year. And I heard this is an amazing professor. Um, and she was. She was an incredible professor. And mm-hmm. um, still someone I like, completely idolized. And then in that time, I was like, oh, this is really cool. But even throughout that course, even after I gave my final, which was a pitch and was done and was on our winter break and such I still didn't realize that I was like building a business and did an accelerator and for so so long like even into formally building Viv I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur which is a flaw in itself because I think I was like oh well like I have this idea what an entrepreneur is like it's not me and now I'm like have having to realize I need to own that more and be like no I am I'm I'm a problem solver and that's what being an entrepreneur is. And it's like level mm-hmm. to find solutions to problems. And that's what I think it is above all else. And when I think of it that way, I'm like, oh, like I've actually been an entrepreneur for a pretty long time um, when understanding it in that sense. So yeah, I think even on a day to day, I'm not quite sure if I can, if I can be like, yes, Katie, the entrepreneur, it's still a very weird thing for me to take in. Um, but it's, it's something that I think is more of like a personal battle. And I think a lot of women face with imposter syndrome and such, but, um, yeah. Yeah. You don't know how, how often I have this conversation on this podcast, (laughs) which I honestly, I really want to do more and more research into this. Like it's, it's just, it's so interesting and a shame in many ways that women have an experience imposter syndrome so much more like it's 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 just crazy to me you know like how many women I've spoken to on this podcast who we've talked about exactly the same things and how we've gone through and the way that we see ourselves and the almost the lack of self-belief you know um that we have so I think it's really cool that you're you're talking about it as well as an entrepreneur a business owner um because yeah it does it's it's something you have to like look at within yourself and continue to basically fight those thoughts and feelings you know like no I this is what I'm doing and I worked hard to get here and I deserve to be here you know so it's I'm really glad you brought that up as well because I really want to hone this in on anyone who's listening you know you can do it you did it and 
you'll continue to be able to do it if you believe in yourself and that's the whole point right you gotta you gotta believe in yourself more exactly yes and I think believing in ourselves and then supporting one another I've recently um been part of this these groups where we come together and we're other like female founders with like small consumer good brands and we just ask each other questions that we're too embarrassed to ask like people that we think are like too elite to be asking these questions which is silly but (laughs) just having like more of a community where we're all like so supportive of each other and all are so willing to like as soon as they say like hey like I'm I'm on this thing. Will you like tune in or can you like this thing for me? We're all there. We're there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. We've helped so much in like our, our own imposter syndrome and like knowing that we have a support system is crucial. Yeah. That's such a good point. I love that. That's definitely a really good piece of advice as well for anyone that's listening is like create your support systems and your communities and everything like that. I think that's really a good point. Yeah. Yeah, so back to the name of your business. How did you come up with the name? Because this always really interests me. Like some people respond and say like, oh, it was just like a Wednesday afternoon and they were just throwing around names and then bam, they picked one. And then others have like really intricate symbolism behind it or something. (laughs) I'm really interested to know how you came up with the name. Yeah, this was funny. Um, Well, we for a hot sec were called a different name. And then there, of course, was some other company deep in there that also had that name. So we had to keep mm. switch. But we were really excited about it because the other name was like kind of bland. It was like something like so typical. Um, but then I was like, okay, well, this is a great opportunity to like rethink who we are as a brand. And so we like to, wanted to create like a person. So mm-hmm. Liv is like personified and. And it's more of like your friend or your the person you look up to or an older sister or even like your alter ego of this like bold, mm-hmm. confident person that's an activist and is like willing to take a stand no matter what. And we like kind of idolize this like fake person of Viv, but even us as a team, when we need that extra confidence boost or we need to like feel bold at any moment, we like channel what Viv is <laughs> and that's what we want other are are really young customers who are getting their periods for the first time to feel but even our oldest customers to feel um, is that they can be this bold confident person while using these products I like that I like that a lot I love that whole alter ego (laughs) thing as well that's that's such a good idea you know and you know once you came up with the name and everything I feel like when I ask people about their business the name was like the least of their worries because <laughs> there's okay. so much going on uh, in, in the process of setting up the business so how was that experience for you yes oh my gosh um I mean I still feel like we're adjusting and changing things and you're right the name and during the time I was given advice also to not focus on on the name um mm-hmm. it's a little tough because we're a consumer brand so we do need to focus on it more than like say like a software tech company um, yeah, because we were like, okay, well, we need to get our, our products made. We need our boxes made. We need our website, like, you know. Um, so we did kind of have to make that decision fast and run with it. And um, it's it's all about starting and doing. And I, I tell, this is like my biggest advice. It's like, I was so hesitant for so long to actually like get a donate, domain name and like incorporate and start because that made it feel very real. And that was, I guess, scary to me. 
Um, yeah. But the whole thing is like, just start doing, just start selling, just start talking to customers and getting your product out there and front facing and ensuring that this is what they want. This is what they need. Um, so I took more of the approach of like getting in front of customers as fast as possible, launching really mm-hmm. fast so that I can continue to learn and provide exactly what they want. Um, so that was kind of how I took it um, rather than than just like formally incorporating right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. No, and I like that because, yeah, every every business owner has their own different approach of like how they started and everything. But I like that because you just get to know the consumer so much better and then you understand how to then market to them and you understand how to get the product out there in such a great and efficient way. And so did you have any mentors to help you with that process? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And they are, oh my gosh, I love all my mentors so much. They're like, because it's so crucial to find a mentor that not only is like, yes, of course, an expert in like startups, building a business, like understanding all of that, but someone who just genuinely cares about you and your well-being as a person um, is vital. And I think I got really lucky really, really early on. And I have a, a couple of mentors, friend of mind, that were not only like, okay, this is how you start a company, like X, Y, Z, helping me walk through that process, but also like, hey, Kitty, being a founder is really hard and it mm-hmm. takes a lot out of you. So make sure you're checking in on yourself and like, here are some really good self-care practices, but here's some just like some really great personal growth exercises and great podcasts and books and such to read to like help you be a great entrepreneur and I think that like holistic approach from a mentor is so crucial and, and it's a hundred percent the reason why Viv is like where it is now. Yeah, that's so such a great point, like to have someone to actually care about your well being because yeah. it's so easy to find someone who's doing amazing things and be like, please be my mentor and like help me figure this out. But if the difficult part is like you said, getting having someone to truly care about your well-being because otherwise you know it's just it's a bit less efficient I find you know it's 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 not it's not going to help you as much you know to because it's very easy like anyone online could be your your mentor you know what I mean if you think about it but the way you're describing it I really like the sound of that sort of relationship because it's so much nicer and you learn so much more through caring you know and a lot of people would potentially disagree and some a lot of people have you know that terrible mentality of like you know sleep is for the weak and stuff and I've talked about that (laughs) terrible terrible like what in what world (laughs) in what world I don't know but I've spoken about it with a few other business owners on the podcast and they, they always agree. They're just like, no, if you don't check in with yourself and you don't like, you can't run a business, exactly. you know, successfully and, and actually be happy at the same time, unless you're actually checking in and making sure you're doing well. And, you know, that's, that's how you get the whole, the whole package as it were. Yeah, no, that's, I couldn't agree more. And I think it took me a while to learn that, to be honest. I was, like, mm-hmm. mad at myself if I wasn't up by, like, 6 a.m. and, like, doing emails and getting a workout in and then having my full day and working until I, like, couldn't – my eyes were burning and then 
like going straight to sleep and doing it all over again. And they like wanted to be what I like thought of an entrepreneur was in my head, which was this person who just like worked themselves like crazy and, and was their whole life was their company. And then I realized that was silly and unproductive. And I was like a worse entrepreneur for doing so. And then now it's Mm -hmm. like finding balance. And that's definitely something I think a lot of us struggle with is like the balance side of things. So I'm I'm so glad we're talking about it because I don't think it's talked about enough. No, definitely not. And like, that's why I've, I'm learning so much as well with my podcast and by interviewing business owners and everything. And this always comes up you know interestingly enough it comes up like you have this vision like you said of what a business owner is or an entrepreneur and it's like this hyper active human who just never takes breaks and is just constantly at their laptop or computer and just constantly doing email and like that's not healthy is the point you know it's people really I think it's like an identity issue because people really attach themselves to you know being an entrepreneur being so they I think it's like something that needs to be talked about more and needs to be understood more and there are so many great resources and books and podcasts and everything that that do talk about it so yeah I'm I'm glad that you mentioned it as well because it's it's important to care for yourself like as as silly as it sounds like yeah duh but like you know people have to actually implement that into their lives to see a change Yes, exactly. Yeah, so coming up to a couple of our last questions, where do you see Viv in a few years' time? You know, what would you like the business to have accomplished? Yeah, this is a great question because it's, I'm so tunnel vision these days and I need to remind myself to like think big picture sometimes because I'm like, okay, what am I doing today? What's on my Google Calendar? Mm -hmm. Like, what tasks I would check off on my to-do list but overall it's like understanding our broader goals is so crucial and um right now it's of course scaling and building this brand and I think what I really want to see in a few years is having this more like defined version of what Viv is and seeing it Mm -hmm. actually impact the lives of others and continuing also to like not be afraid of evolve and and grow and if people are saying like well we like this part of your product but not this and like being able to change that um but always keeping innovation on the forefront of our mind when we're building this business and how we're not only just like a period care brand um that but we're also an innovative brand and a brand that's the voice of others so I think we're going to be ideally a lot larger and um in that turn, making a greater impact and finding new ways to bring the brand into the daily lives of, of people and like knowing where to even like physically be and all of that is, is kind of what I'm envisioning at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And that's, that's a healthy vision. I like it. And I hope, (laughs) I truly hope that you see all the success that Viv deserves to have. And I'm excited to see where, where Viv goes. So this is going to be the last question and I ask this to all of my guests yeah so what is your favorite quote ever oh my goodness I it's, it's always a tough one <laughs> I love this question so much so I'm so like cheesy and I start mm-hmm. our Monday team meetings off with a new like mantra of the week and <laughs> which I know is like 
um, kind of odd, but I'm like, okay, here's our mantra week. Here's our, like an idea. But this quote is that I like always comes to mind. It was actually also my senior year of high school quote. And it says, mm-hmm. um, if you're always trying to be normal, you'll never know how amazing you can be. And it's the idea of like thinking outside the box. And it was by Amaya Angelou, mm-hmm. who's, like my favorite poet ever. Um, just an incredible human um, that was like once on our earth and is amazing. So any of her quotes are usually my favorite. Um, but mm-hmm. I seeing how it's like adjusted and translated into my life in a variety of ways um, has been really cool to, to see as I grow. Um, so yeah, that's by far my favorite. Yeah, I love that. That's a really, really strong one. It's a good one. I'm always so amazed at at people's responses to this question because everyone's so different and so different quotes really resonate with different people so I love I'm just adding all of these quotes to my own quote bank and (laughs) looking at them every day for inspiration so that was a really good one and thank you so so much for being on the podcast today where can the listeners find you on Instagram or online the website etc Yes. Um, yeah, this has been so fun. And you can find Viv at, on Instagram at Viv4YourV. And then we're Viv4YourV.com. Um, and then we're even ch- trying to start out on TikTok a bit. So Viv4YourV as well on there. Um, so trying out all of the social media platforms. But that's where you can find us. And we're really, really active on our, our Instagram um, in particular. So that's a great way to like stay up to date day to day on what we're doing. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and hope to talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the ninth episode of the Show Me Your Way podcast. I really do enjoy talking to people who have such a purpose and mission in their lives like Katie does. And it leaves me with so much inspiration. And I really, really do hope that it can leave some of you who are listening with the same kind of inspiration to do maybe that one thing that you've been putting off or thinking about or that business that you've been sitting on for years because you just don't think or believe that you could do it. I hope that through listening to my podcast that you feel a little bit more inspired each time and so with that being said if you enjoyed today's episode please do leave us a review on apple podcasts and don't forget to follow us on instagram at showmeyourway underscore podcast to keep up to date with future guests until next time guys bye